This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Our scripture this morning is found in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 19. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 1 through 19. Word of God says, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over the household. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave, and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we may find grass and save the horses and mules alive, and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself, and Obadiah went in another direction by himself. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go, tell your lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, How have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, There is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent you to seek you. And when they would say, he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you, I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab that he cannot find you, he will kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your Lord. Behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel. And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Azurah who eat at Jezebel's table. Good morning, First Prez. If you have your copy of God's Word, I'd ask you to have it open there to 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, I'm actually going to be covering verses 1 through 19. And just before we do that, let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come before you and 
Lord, we're thankful for the gift of salvation. We're thankful for the very fact that not only have you given us the breath in our lungs, but you've given us everlasting life with you through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, we recognize that we need Christ. We recognize that he is truly our only hope. And so, Lord, help us to cling to him this hour. Help us to cling to him through your word. Help us to see the magnificence of your glory. Help us to see the reason we should trust and obey. God, I pray for my words that I would not say more nor less than you've given me to say, but God, I pray that I would be faithful to the entirety of your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, if you look at the few verses there, it's actually a pretty long passage, verses 1 through 19, but if you look at the verses there and you walk away from the text, hopefully you sensed one thing. It's important to obey God's command. It's important to obey God's command. We're given three different individuals that are named in this text. The first is Elijah, who is a prophet of God. The second is Obadiah, who serves Ahab, the wicked king. And the third is Ahab himself, the wicked king. Out of those three, two were told were obedient. One was not. Ahab, as we see at the end, was a troubler of Israel. But it's the first two I want to begin to explore this calling of, of obedience. And I want you to think through what it is that we exist for. As good Presbyterians, we all know the answer to this question. What is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to do what? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And you say, but how are we to do that? Or at least that's what you should say. The question is, how are we to glorify God? How are we to enjoy Him forever? Well, God has given us His Word. God has given us His commandments so that we might know what He expects of us, well, how we may glorify Him, how we may enjoy Him. The, the proof of the pudding is this. We're not just left to our whims or to our feelings about what is right. The second question to the Shorter Catechism answers that question about how very specifically. Listen to the answer. The Word of God which is contained in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testament is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy Him. That word only, a phrase only rule, tells us that God has specifically given us His Word in the Old and New Testaments to tell us how to live. One of the many proof texts that's cited for that catechism question is Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Listen to this verse in the book of Deuteronomy. You shall not add to the word that I've commanded you, nor shall you take from it, that you may keep the commandment of the Lord your God that I've commanded you. Did you hear that? We're not to add, nor are we to take away, but we're to be obedient to the word of the Lord. These 19 verses draw us to that point that obedience to the Word of God matters. Obedience to the Word of God matters. Maybe some of you remember the old quarterback, Roger Starbuck. He uh, played for the Dallas Cowboys and he won world championships in 1971 and 1977. He admitted that being a quarterback who didn't get to call his own play signals was a source 
of trial for him. See, as a quarterback, you like to view yourself as the leader of the team, the one who runs the offense, the, the probably the most important person on the field at any time for the offense. But his coach, Tom Landry, sent in every play. Landry would tell Roger when to pass, when to run, and he told him very specifically that only in emergency situations could he change the play, and if he did so, he better be right. Right? Would you like that kind of pressure? All through that tension of wanting to be the leader but having to submit to the coach, Rogers understood the hardship he was facing. See, he understood that he served Coach Landry, who had a genius mind for football strategy. Yet pride began to settle in Roger as he began to wrestle with the fact that he wanted to be in charge. And by his own testimony one day, he said this, I had to face up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, there was fulfillment, and there was victory. See, the point is that we may not have to submit to Coach Landry, but every single person in this room is called to submit to God. Every person in this room is called to be obedient to the Word of God. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what church or denomination you're a part of. It doesn't even matter if you don't go to church. Every individual must submit to the Word of God because God and God alone is in charge. But as we look at this text this morning, we will see the call to obey God's Word. We will also see that that call requires faith and that those who do not obey are troublemakers, not only for themselves, but for others. Let's look at the text. Draw your attention to verse 1 of chapter 18. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now, Elijah was the prophet of God. He, he was one who was picked out by God to serve God as God's mouthpiece. But yet, Elijah wasn't immune from having to follow the very word of God. He was called to obey God's word. Previously, in chapter 17, if you just flip your Bibles back one chapter, and you look at verse 2, we see that previously he was commanded by God to depart and to hide himself at the brook Kareth. That great famine was coming upon the earth and that Ahab was going to come to seek to destroy him, but ultimately he was to hide himself. But now in chapter 18, Elijah is told to do the very opposite. He's told to show himself before Ahab. You've got to understand their last meeting together between Elijah and Ahab wasn't a pleasant one. And back in that situation, Elijah told Ahab these words. He said, The Lord, the God of Israel, lives. There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Needless to say, hearing those words of Elijah, which came from God, Ahab was not happy. Ahab, in fact, was pursuing Elijah all the days of Elijah's life, seeking 
to kill him. Yet here, Elijah is told to go and show himself before Ahab. Elijah, according to verse 2 of chapter 18, went. Friends, don't miss that. That is clearly showing the obedience of Elijah to the word of God. He went, despite the hardship, despite the assignment that may have been uncomfortable or difficult or even fearful, he went. Before we walk away from Elijah, we need to see that Elijah was willing to stand in the gap. Elijah was willing to be a man of God and obey the word of God, even when it was uncomfortable. But friends, Elijah wasn't alone. We're immediately told of another character in the story by the name of Obadiah. Obadiah, we're told, is the household manager of the nasty, wicked king Ahab. Look at verses 2 and through 4. Beginning at the middle of verse 2, it says, Now the famine was severe in Samaria, and Ahab called Obadiah, who was over his household. And then it gives this parenthesis where it explains how Obadiah was a faithful servant. Look at the text. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly, and when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Friends, don't run past that. It's important to see that even in the midst of drought, even in the midst of difficulty, Obadiah is willing to give of himself for the lives of others because God's word commands it. We're to care for our neighbor. We're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. It could have been a very easy thing for Obadiah to turn the other way and say, it was too dangerous for me to do this. But he stepped into the gap, and he equally was willing to be obedient to the call of God, even in the face of danger. Obadiah's name just happens to mean servant of Yahweh. And yes, he served an important position in Ahab's house, but more important than being obedient to Ahab, he sought to be obedient to God. In verse 12, we're told that he feared the Lord since his youth. He grew up understanding Jehovah was to be obeyed. He grew up understanding that he was to love God above all things. Obadiah did take those hundred prophets. Obadiah did hide them in groups of 50 in two caves. Obadiah did give care to them, even in the desperate situation of a famine, by giving them food and water that most likely came from his own home in a time when there was great need. Contrast that with the life of Jezebel, who sat in the tower and ultimately ruled in such a way that 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 the prophets of God would be killed while Obadiah sought to save lives? Or how about Ahab, who only cared for his livestock and his economy, according to verse 6, where Obadiah cared about people? What a contrast we see between Obadiah and the man he was supposed to be serving. Friends, this just goes to show that it's not just the elite like Elijah who are called to obey God's word. No, but every man, woman, and child is called to obey God wherever they're at. In our homes. Some of us maybe grew up in homes or are growing up in homes where maybe our parent isn't a believer or our spouse isn't a believer. 
Or maybe some of us work in places that ultimately are against anything Christian. But ultimately, we have been called to obey God rather than men. Friends, the bigger question for each and every one of us is this. Are we truly seeking to be obedient to the Word of God? Let me ask you that again. Are you truly seeking to be obedient to the Word of God, no matter the situation, no matter the struggle? As I ask that question, it's, it's easy for, for those of us who grew up in the church to say, yeah, I know that. I know what I'm supposed to do. But are we truly seeking to be obedient to the will of God? in the Word of God. Friends, true obedience always requires faith. True obedience always requires faith in the Word of God. See, the point is that every opportunity for obedience is a special moment in one's life. Think about it. Every opportunity to obey is a special moment in your life. It's a turning point, if you will. It's a moment that will have lasting effect on other decisions that you make. This was true in Ahab's life. It was true in, in Elijah's life. And it's true also in Obadiah's life. Let's look at verse 5 of chapter 18. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we shall find some grass and save the horses and the mules alive and not lose some of the animals. So they divided the land between them to pass through it. Ahab went in one direction by himself and Obadiah went in the other direction by himself. Notice the contrast again there that all Ahab is concerned about is his animals while the very person he took with him is saving prophets' lives in caves. But Obadiah goes with Ahab, and we're told they parted ways. Don't miss the symbolism there either. As Obadiah goes one way, the man of God, and Ahab goes the other way, the enemy of God, it's a clear teaching that the believer and the non-believer are not on the same path. As Obadiah goes along, this moment in time which creates an opportunity, he encounters Elijah. Look at verse 7. And as Obadiah was on his way, behold, Elijah met him. And Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, It is it you, my lord, Elijah? And he answered, It is I. Go tell your lord, behold, Elijah is here. Friends, notice that Obadiah recognizes God's prophet. Obadiah not only recognizes him, he honors him with his face to the ground. He does ask the question, is it truly you? Is that what my eyes see? Is this truly you, Elijah? Friends, don't misunderstand this. This honoring of Elijah is not about Elijah. It's about honoring the man of God because of who he represents. It's about, about honoring God. Elijah then commands Obadiah to go tell your Lord Ahab, behold, Elijah is here. This now is that moment, that pivotal moment, an opportunity for obedience for Obadiah. Friends, every opportunity for obedience in that moment is confronted with reasons to disobey. Let me say that again. Every opportunity for obedience is confronted with reasons to disobey. Wasn't that true in the garden for, for Eve? 
She was told what to do regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet there, when the devil tempted her and said to her, basically, God's word is not true. He's holding back from you. That was a moment in time where she could obey or she could disobey. For each and every one of us, that's what happens in those moments. We're either going to obey or disobey. For Obadiah, that moment began in doubt and fear. Fear began to build. And we see this in Obadiah's comment. Look at verse 9. How have I sinned against you to give your servant into the hand of Ahab? Oh, the fear. Oh, the, oh, the worry of what Ahab would do to him. How have I sinned against you that you would give me into the hand of Ahab, he asks. Ironically, Obadiah has been with Ahab. They set out on this journey together. In fact, he's actually been bold enough to protect the prophets of God from Ahab and Jezebel. So why all of a sudden is he so scared now? The answer? It's all about Elijah. Elijah was a bold one. Elijah was one whom Ahab was hunting and seeking to kill. Look at verse 12 to Obadiah's answer. He says, as soon as I come, excuse me, as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you, and I know not where. So when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me. Notice the problem is with you, Elijah. I'm scared because of you. And then Elijah, uh, you don't understand who I am. Obadiah begins to give excuses. Look at verse 13. He's basically saying, I've already been obedient to the Lord. He says, has it not been told to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and fed them with bread and water? Don't you know that I've already been faithful? Why are you asking me to do this? You're not even going to be here when we come back and I'm going to die. Obadiah is basically saying, I should get a pass. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to be obedient in this situation. Friends, how evil and how wicked does Ahab have to be to create that kind of fear in his servant? And equally, how often has Elijah just disappeared? <laughs> that the fear is that he's not going to be where he's supposed to be. But that's the moment in time, that's the situation that Obadiah is in. It's whether or not to be faithful and obedient to the will of God, the word of God, or to disobey. And yet I would draw your attention to what Elijah tells him. Elijah assures him with the very word of the Lord. We're looking at verses 15 and 16. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. Friends, don't miss that. Elijah was able to assure excuse me, Elijah was able to assure Obadiah because this was a command of God. Back in 18.1, he was commanded, go show yourself to Ahab. He knew, Elijah knew, God's not taking me out of this situation. I have to be obedient even to the point of death myself. I can assure you I will be here. Do not be afraid. God's commanded it. Go, Obadiah. 
upon hearing the word of the Lord and believing it, that's key, friends. Upon hearing the word of the Lord and believing it, Obadiah goes to tell Ahab about Elijah. Friends, hear me this morning. Faith is necessary in your obedience. It's not enough to sit in church and to hear the word of God. It's not enough to know facts about the Bible or facts about Jesus. It's not enough. Faith is necessary for you to have true obedience. We must trust God's word completely if we're to obey it. Listen to the writer of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, when he says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Friends, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is an absolute requirement of true obedience. Going through the motion just because it's comfortable or routine without faith is not acceptable. So I asked this question this morning, what about us? We've all been given unique opportunities for obedience, and every opportunity for obedience has been confronted with reasons to disobey. The question is, will we obey the Word of God? Will we? Will we obey the Word of God even in the face of rejection by others, or persecution, or even death? Uh, Friends, the truth is that the times are coming when we are expected to stand against culture. The culture begins to embrace things that the Word of God stands against. Which side will we choose? It's disheartening to see so many who claim the name of Christ to reject the things that Scripture commands. Will we obey the Word of God? Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. He's not saying fear the devil. He's saying, fear me. I am the one in charge, God says. And Jesus is making it very clear that we are not to fear man, but we are to fear God. And this is about faith and trusting that God means what he says. The truth is, we may live in unsure, fearful times. To say the least, these are changing times. We're we're tossed back and forth, almost like a yo-yo, trying to figure out what's going on in our culture. But here's the thing, God has remained faithful. His word has not changed. And he's called us to be obedient. Friends, we can and we must have absolute confidence in God's word, no matter the situation. As the old, old hymn says, we must trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. We must trust and obey. The question before each and every one of us this morning is, will we trust God's word in every situation? Regardless of our feelings, regardless of our concerns, will we truly trust and obey? As we see in the story, things go as you might expect. Verse 17 says, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? 
He kind of understand why he's kind of angry. There's drought. There, there's people in situations that are just bad. In fact, his economy's plummeting. His animals are dying. His, his crops are, are useless. Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have. And your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Friends, hear that. Ahab sees Elijah and immediately begins blaming him for the drought. He, he's calling him the troubler of Israel. Friends, how often the world wants to blame Christianity for its problems. The prophet Isaiah understood this. And in chapter 5, verse 20, he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isn't that our culture? And that's exactly what Ahab was doing. He wanted to blame the man of God. But Elijah set the record straight. He spoke the truth, and so are we called to do the same. Elijah says, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, and your father's house has, because you've abandoned the commandments. Did you get that? Because you've abandoned the word of God, and you followed the Baals, the idols of this culture. See, Ahab has disobeyed God's commandments. He sought the idols rather than the true God, Jehovah. Friends, God's word is clear. Sin brings judgment and again, the prophet Isaiah speaks to this in Isaiah 59, verse 18. According to their deeds, so he, God, will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. Judgment because of disobedience. Friends, we see in the story that war is imminent. And Elijah calls for that battle. And the place will be Mount Carmel where we will see 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Astra stand against lonely Elijah. And next week we'll learn who wins. There should be no surprise. God always wins. Friends, the battle that is pictured here in this 18th chapter of 1 Kings is nothing compared to the battle that Jesus has waged upon sin. Jesus is the very word of God according to John 1.1. Jesus has come in the flesh according to John 1.14. Jesus has obeyed every command in every respect. For what purpose? So that he could pay the price for sin. For who? For the troublers. For the disobedient. And if we're absolutely honest, the problem is each and every one of us is a troubler because each and every one of us is disobedient to God's word and we all deserve judgment. But friends, the good news is Jesus has come. Praise God for Jesus who takes away the wrath. Praise God that he would send his own son and for those who trust in him, they're delivered question for each and every one of us is, is that you? Is your trust in Christ? 
Again, we're not talking about just motor memory of obedience, of doing religious things. That's not true obedience, but true faith where you're resting in the word of God. You're believing what it says about who Jesus is, who you are, and what Christ has come to do, and what Christ will do. For we're told that Christ will return and come again. And we're told that he will judge all sin when he does. Friends, I want to draw your attention to a very dark portion of Scripture. Revelation chapter 20, beginning verse 11, is a picture of Jesus' battle and war with sin. Then I saw a great white throne and him who stood upon it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus isn't playing with sin. Jesus didn't come just to turn a blind eye to sin, to those who are disobeying God's word. No, Jesus actually went to a cross and bled and died for the sins of those who disobey. Sin is a big deal. Today, somehow the, the culture has it confused to think that the ones who really love are the ones who ignore the Word of God. When, friends, we are called to be obedient to the Word of God, for why else did Jesus suffer and bleed and die? The question is, do we know the trouble we are in? Do we understand our disobedience? Do we understand our need for Jesus? Friends, the word of God is from the Lord. It can be trusted and it must be obeyed. We must trust and obey even in the face of our greatest fears. For to not obey God's word is only to bring trouble upon ourselves and others. The bottom line is this, we need to love God and we need to love his word. Recently I heard an illustration that I would like to share with you. It's a true story. There was a man who was severely injured in an explosion. His face was badly disfigured and he lost his eyesight and he lost both hands. This man was a new Christian and one with one of his greatest disappointments was that he could no longer read his Bible. Then he heard one day about a lady in England who read Braille with her lips. Hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille. But to his much dismay, he discovered that the nerve endings on his lips had been destroyed by the explosion. One day, as he brought one of the Braille pages to his lips, his tongue just happened to touch a few of the raised characters. It was then and there that he discovered that he could actually feel the braille. 
overwhelmed with joy. He thought, I can read the Bible. I can read God's word. And he used his tongue to read that Bible by the time this illustration was written some four times from beginning to end. That man loved the word of God. Do we? Do we truly love the word of God enough that if it required us to use our tongues to read it, we would want to eat it up? The Christian church is far too comfortable. We found it too convenient. We've become more like the culture than like who we've been called to be, which is the people of God. Distinct, different, and yes, I'll say it, separate. In many ways, we are on two different roads. The question is, which road are you on? Are you a troubler of Israel or a servant of Yahweh? Obedience marks the difference. Obedience in faith. Obedience in faith despite the situation. That's what marks the difference. May we truly be doers of the word and not hearers only. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close our Bibles, as we step away from a very important text that calls us to obedience, God, I pray that the truth of your word would penetrate our hearts, that the areas where we have created comfortable little pockets to live like the world, Lord, that we would repent, that we would recognize that we have been called to be different, to be separate, to pursue righteousness and holiness, to honor you, to glorify you, to find our joy in you and you alone. God, work in our hearts so that that may be true of each man, woman, and child in this room. Bring revival to our lives, even in the midst of the chaos of the culture. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.